Hey guys, it's Daniel with Socratic Hobbits. Uh, Kyle and I get back into it in this one. Just wanted to say thanks for listening. How are you doing, man? It's been a little while since we chatted. Well, yeah, it's been about a month since the podcast. Thankfully, we've been able to talk a little bit since then. Yeah, that's true. But. Yeah, all of our fans are in an uproar. Actually, my son, my son has been very disappointed that we have not, (laughs) dad has not had a podcast. Um, So my wife was Uh happy to tell him that dad will have a podcast soon. Ish. Ish. (laughs) Does she, does she understand that the bottleneck is me and not you? I mean, that's not really fair because I could take time and actually edit it myself in which case the bottleneck would be me not you sure so that's true yeah well you know i had kind of been thinking over the last month it was just hard to get myself to start um editing and i was like is this something i want to do anymore right um and so that kind of thought had been going through my head and it just felt like i, I don't know you kind of uh, when you ask to do it again, I guess the one of the questions that had come to my mind was like, if I never ask Kyle to do another podcast, will he ever ask to do another podcast? <laughs> and and so, your question was answered. My question eventually was answered. So yeah, eventually you said, "Hey, are we going to do this again?" <laughs> and so, so here we are. Um, well, part of it yeah. came down to the text that you sent to me, which was on the the podcast that. Um, Shane Parrish did with Nurayal, who initially wrote the book Hooked, and then more recently has come out with a book on indistraction. And not only have I gotten a lot out of it, and my wife has listened to, I think, about two-thirds of it at this point. Actually, I still need to send it to her so she can listen to the rest of it. Isaac, who's been on this podcast, and his wife have both listened to it. And my wife was talking to his wife about it, because she comes over and makes... um dinner there there are three three women who get together and make dinner at our house once a week and then bring it back to their families and they were talking about it during that and she was super excited about some of the things that she had pulled out of it so that that podcast you sent is making waves yeah shane thanks for interviewing nur and was there any particular I don't know. Do you want to talk through? It's been a little while since I listened to it. I started and I thought I would have time today and um, didn't didn't make enough time, basically. Um, but do you want to, Kyle, do you want to talk us through some of some of your understanding? I can I can give the broadest strokes, but yeah. How about you start out with the broad strokes and then I can fill in with some of the I, I took some notes on it when I was listening through the, the second time. I didn't make it all the way through, so I don't have. Although the first time I listened to it was actually um, my my parents have a have a sauna and so I was trying out the sauna and listening to that at the same time and that that's actually a really cool way to listen to to a podcast because it's like you're just sitting in there and you aren't really doing anything else but it's mm-hmm. a great time to just sort of focus on whatever it is you're listening to or sit with your own thoughts yeah while still doing something that at least has some anecdotal health benefits. Yeah, okay. So I want to ask a few questions about that and then I'll get into the neuro... Yeah. Ah, how do you say it? Neuro-yall? 
That that sounds better than the way I was saying his name. One, how did you listen to a podcast in there? Did you bring your phone in? Yeah. And in a hundred and whatever, twenty or thirty degrees? Yeah. Okay. So were you just were you playing it? You weren't playing on earbuds or anything. You were just playing the. Yeah, I was just playing it on the speaker. Okay. All right. And then two, is this a new thing that your parents have? Um, my dad got it probably about a year ago, maybe a little bit more. Okay. He generally he listens to podcasts and stuff, but. I think his most consistent usage of it is uh, Sunday mornings before church, he'll listen to a John Piper sermon. Mm. Uh, part of me would love to have a sauna. Uh, my wife's parents have, have one, and I probably used it a total of like three times. Mm-hmm. Um, it just feels really weird to go over to their house and then like use their nice thing and you'll be alone. Yeah. So, So I haven't taken as much advantage of that. This is the only time I've used it. And I was over at my parents' house because my wife had gone back to Vancouver for a bridal shower. And it was the week after my surgery, weekend after my surgery. So I was still pretty careful about using my arm. They yeah. they basically hosted their invalid son in their house. <laughs> and then... Okay. Yeah. Your shoulder healing, healing up all right, though? Yeah, it seems to be. I mean, the way the surgeon explained it to me, and I, I've kind of have gone over this on my blog. That it was actually kind of cool because going through surgery gave me some more stuff that I was excited to write about on my blog. And and long story short is that it takes about six weeks for a bone to heal. So the fracture is just getting to the point where in another week and a half or so, it'll be healed up. And then at 12 weeks, that's when the cartilage starts to reattach to the bone. So that those those time periods are kind of what determines different stages in the recovery process and rehab process. So six weeks is when I will start PT on mobility. And then 12 weeks is when I'll start PT for strengthening. I'm glad you're doing, doing all right. How many, how long has it been? It's been four and a half weeks. Okay, cool. The the next blog post I want to write is about the knees over toes guy on YouTube. And I've been doing some of his leg exercise routines because they don't require any arms at least mm-hmm. at my ability. And it's been, I think it's been helpful, but I'm, I'm curious to keep doing it. I've only been doing it for about a week and a half. So. Yeah. Well, as far as the knowledge project podcast, the, you know, so I think the title of it is something along the lines of mastering a distraction. Yeah. And one of the things that is pretty overarching is that you're not distracted by external stimulus, right? Mm-hmm. You, it's really easy to blame things outside of yourself, whether that's uh, technology or uh, the the food that's available or the people in our lives that make us busy or any number, you know, projects around the house. It's like, ah, there's so many different things that could have my attention. And I think the kind of hypothesis or answer to that question of why am I so distracted or what distracts me so much, it's basically that you're trying to cover up your feelings. And so when I'm uh, when I don't feel like I can control myself because I want to keep checking Twitter or uh, I want to eat something that I know I shouldn't or any number of things, it's because there's some kind of internal strife that you're not dealing with, which I have found to be true for me and a number of people in a a men's group that I was involved with for a long time is that, you know, there's a, a certain clarity that the men there had after they had been been there for a little while and were able to put into practice some of the things you know that 
more kind of core to the beliefs. And one of those was dealing with your emotions. And so, you know, anecdotally, that that fits pretty well. I'm I'm pretty interested in in reading that second book that uh, near y'all wrote, and maybe the first one. I don't know. He kind of goes over that pretty much right at the beginning of the podcast. But from my recollection, he spends a lot of time kind of expanding on that. Yeah, um, I think one of the things that he stated very clearly and almost dogmatically was. The idea that psychologically our behavior isn't driven by carrots and sticks. It's really driven by a desire to flee discomfort. Do you agree with that? Well, as you were you were describing your observations in the men's group, and as I was I was, I was talking to my wife about it and I was going, I'm really ha- having trouble coming up with counterexamples to that. So a counterexample is Kyle, do you know anybody who's ever climbed a mountain? Yeah, and I think that is actually that that you could construe that as a desire to flee discomfort. Please explain. Thinking back to when I climbed Mount Hood almost a year ago, that was a very uncomfortable experience. Mm-hmm. But as as I all points out, it's about the balance of discomfort. It's about relative discomfort. And there was more discomfort in my mind that would come from having had the opportunity to climb Mount Hood and having not taken that opportunity than and and having missed the opportunity to spend time with the people I got to climb Mount Hood with. There was more discomfort in in imagining that than there was in being awake at 2 a.m driving mm-hmm. up to Mount Hood. Well, actually it was more like midnight, driving up to Mount Hood and hiking from 2 a.m. until sunup and then coming back down through the sulfur yeah. fields and everything. And now I didn't know about how I was going to feel when it was 2 a.m. and the wind was blowing sleety snow down the mountain into our face as we were hiking up. At the same time, I I can attribute that hiking that mountain to trying to move away from discomfort. Yeah. And I guess, uh, I guess where I have an issue with that is, uh, you know, I was talking about this men's group and uh-huh. I think that was probably one, one of the things that I did disagree with. Excellent. I, I, I really want to hear your, your thoughts on this. Cause like I said, I was having trouble. Like it was one of those things where I thought maybe there should be, maybe I should disagree with this, but, I couldn't think of any counterexamples to it, at least in the time I was thinking about it. I, I, I could find a way to explain behavior through trying to leave discomfort. Yeah, I guess a lot of my, you could think of discomfort kind of as feedback or whatever, and, and we could go down that path in a minute. But mm-hmm. uh, basically, when you are trying to get away from pain, and that's a motivator, as soon as the pain stops, then your motivation is gone. And what the kind of motivation that will kind of see you through to the end of something is when you're chasing instead of running from. And another example is, you know, you can spend your, or a, a way that it's been said or that I've heard, Craig Blanchett is the guy who told me this and it's stuck with me for a long time. So let's say that you want to leave Portland, right? Okay. 
that's your only goal. You know that in Portland, uh, there's just a lot of pain and there's a lot of bad. It's bad for you for whatever reason. And so you leave Portland. Do you have something you want? Well, maybe, maybe not. You don't know which direction to go. And so you just leave. You head off in direction, any direction. Well, if you know you want to go to Boise because uh, there are many fish and, um, you know, they give you guns when you live over there and land is cheap and jobs are plentiful and, you know, you can pan for gold if you want, uh, then, you know, you're headed in a direction. So So you get both. You get two things when you go somewhere that you want to. So you go to Boise and you have what you want. You have Boise and you don't have Portland. Right. So if you frame your life that way, as opposed to, I don't want to be in places like Portland, like you don't, you don't have any goal that you're going after. It's a, this is, this is actually really fascinating because this dovetails nicely with the conversation I was having another conversation. I was totally unrelated that I was having with my wife last night, which is about why do people move to different places? And Mm -hmm. in that conversation, we were talking about how, if life is a trip, I've heard the metaphor used logic is the car and emotion is gas. Okay. So the car is the structure that takes you to places, but gas is what really moves you there. And I feel like there was a, a better analogy that more clearly described the point. But the, the essence of the point was that emotion is is kind of what moves us to things. And mm-hmm. then reason is what kind of f- what frames the way our emotion moves. And sometimes, and I guess I was thinking last last night that a lot of times we make what at base level is an emotional decision and then we pack a bunch of ra- reason on top of it. Mm-hmm. Yeah, that, uh, that fits pretty well together with something that I learned a little while back, which is under a brain scan, um, thoughts and emotions don't look any different. Like, there's no difference in in what they physically what's happening inside your brain as far as electro whatever and i think a lot of times we think we're being super rational but you you know at a certain point there's kind of axioms that make up the character of you know who you are Kyle and who somebody else is and given the same situation because of your kind of core beliefs you're going to make a different decision in them and be able to rationalize it. it in a way that fits with my core identity. Exactly. Yeah. And so somebody was there's kind of there's kind of two options on the table right now for me. I, I won't get into details, but somebody was suggesting like, well, what if this bad thing happens? Right. And one of my kind of I I'm not quite sure when this kind of became a core belief of mine, but I think it is, and it's that I don't want to make decisions out of fear. I want to make them not for that reason. I don't mind if that's a perhaps a contributing factor, but I don't want to make a kind of life decision about uh, being afraid of what might happen. It's kind of like the, you know, the risk, not the risk, but the fear of missing out because, mm-hmm. you know, your friends are going up to climb Mount Hood and Right. You you wanted to sleep in your warm bed at a, you know, normal time like 3 a.m. It's not like I necessarily think that's the best for everyone all the time no matter what, but that's Well, let me ask you this. Why did you make that decision to Are you sure it was entirely a rational decision 
to not be motivated by fear. No, no, I'm not. I'm not sure that it was entirely rational. Could there be any discomfort that you're trying to steer clear of? No. <laughs> Just kidding. Uh, no, it definitely could be. But and you I see, think what... you see what I'm getting at there, and and I and I don't think I I think you're totally right that in our kind of rational the rational side of us we should have goals that are moving us towards things rather than just being driven one way or the other by a fear of fear and uncertainty but mm-hmm. at the same time I, I i think maybe where the the truth of what um the psychological research that i always was citing where where the truth of that research comes in is that if you go if you strip everything away and go down to a really base level our flesh desires to flee discomfort is fleeing uh discomfort and uh chasing pleasure exactly the same thing in your mind not exactly and and i would need to read the psychological research that i was citing to speak more accurately but but he's I mean, he seemed to be indicating that this wasn't his idea, that he was Mm -hmm. just summarizing what he had found in the psychological, in the research on human psychology. Hmm. Yeah. And I don't like that. (laughs) Well, and I think, I think you, you're onto something by not liking it because in, in some ways you could argue that, and there's a reason I use the term flesh, our our flesh Mm -hmm. seeks to flee from discomfort because I think not all the time is it sinful to flee from discomfort? But there is a sense in which that is part of a, our broken nature as fallen creatures, that that is our base motivation. Yeah. Uh, do you think Eve was choosing to flee discomfort when she had that first bite? Yeah. So then not fallen nature, just human nature. She wasn't fallen at that point, right? Well, when when, I mean... It seems like we're getting into kind of a semantic question about when exactly did she fall? Uh, that's when she sinned. But Jesus says that if you look at a woman, you have already committed adultery in your heart. Yeah, but the commandment wasn't to not look at the apples. <laughs> right, but but what did looking at the apple in the way she looked at the apple lead or fruit lead to? I don't know. I think I really think that was temptation, and then she when she made the decision to eat it, that was when. And followed through on, I mean, I don't know. Yeah, you're right. We're getting into semantics. But, yeah, I don't know. What if she had just plucked the fruit? Maybe she did pluck the fruit ahead of time. And then it sat there for a while. Did she sin before she ate it? I don't know. Uh, yeah, I think I think you could you could frame, to get back to our discussion at hand, right. and not, not when the fall of man was. What second? So I think you could frame things in terms of always fleeing pain. But I think you could... You could turn that around and say always seeking pleasure, right? Or you could And 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 that's what at least I all made the point that 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 the scientific or the psychological research doesn't bear that out. Like Freud made the Freud made the point that you part of us pursues pleasure and part of us flees pain. And mm-hmm. I also I all basically said or I also said that the research since then has and possibly before then too, comes more on the side of supporting the conclusion that our, our, our basest instinct is to flee discomfort. And, and, and I think 
I'm curious what you think about this idea. We could, we can still go towards desirable things. And that doesn't mean our basest motivation isn't a, isn't fleeing discomfort. Sure. I mean, you keep, uh, I was picking up on, you were using the word basest, but I don't think that I always do what my lowest level of motivation is, if that makes sense. Yeah. And I think we we as Christians shouldn't always act on our lowest level of motivation. Yeah. One might even think never. Well, maybe not never. I don't know. If you're hungry, you should probably eat at least at some point. The way that I am about to use the word ambivalent is not like hemming and hawing, but just of being of two minds about something. And Maybe agnostic? No, ambivalent means what is, like that's what the Greek or Latin or whatever, like, and you know by is to mm-hmm. you know valences you know value so to there's two values right in any case whatever so being of two i'll just use i'll just say it different when i see a donut you know in my better moments i'm of two minds about that like do i want mm. that it's like well yeah the sugar and the, the texture and everything it tastes good but i won't feel good about it later there's this base instinct to not have to think about x y or z and then like have a little sugar rush and and that's that but then it's done and over with and my kind of prefrontal cortex is thinking this doesn't get you towards what you your goals or what you actually want and so maybe don't do that and then if you're arguing in your just in your mind then you tend to lose those arguments depending on your habits and your motivation and your you know and prompts and other things but if you kind of talk out loud, like, hey, my flesh or part of me wants to have that donut, but I know that's not what's good for me long term. Like saying that in the moment out loud brings everything into a different part of your brain. You basically move it forward from the back part of your brain to the front part of your brain. And that's a way to kind of uh, short circuit the the part of your brain that has more power because it that's another thing that i've kind of i've learned and is i'd be curious to hear your thoughts about that and well i thought it was interesting that you pointed out that the lower part of your brain has more power because i think that jives with what the psychological research that i was citing Hmm. says the the second thing is i'm i'm as you were just describing that situation and putting up long-term thinking versus short-term thinking i'm wondering if the research really focused on short-term thinking, because mm-hmm. I could see short-term thinking being very heavily influenced by that base mentality to flee pain, but long-term thinking can be more informed about a, a desire to go towards something yeah. at its, at its core. Mm-hmm. And, and that's essentially what, I mean, I'll didn't, use the example of of speaking out loud like you did um at because that's that's one effective tool the the tool he brought up was saying i'm going to wait 10 minutes and at the end of 10 minutes if i still want it if i still want to check my phone um if i still want to eat the donut i'll do it and his point was that the majority of time you wait 10 minutes and whatever was influencing you to take that distracting step is going to be passed and you're no longer going to be interested in doing that 
distracting behavior. Mm. So maybe um, it'd be a good time to shift the conversation towards more long-term versus short-term thinking. Well, uh, I do want to get to that because that's, I think that's helpful, but I want to, you've listened to that podcast more recently than me and I've somewhat been talking off the cuff and I'm curious if there's anything else from the podcast and if not, then we can just shift into into long-term versus short-term thinking, which brings up to mind some some Naval podcasts that we've, we've yep. talked about before and listened to. Pure gold. Pure gold. Not quite. It's an audiophile, but anyway. Yeah, was there anything else from the... Yeah. I, I One of the things... So, obviously, Isaac and his wife are parents. We're parents. And one of the things the podcast addressed was how to allow kids to interact with technology and recognizing that books were technology at one point and considered a lot more dangerous at the, when they first came out than they are now. Mm-hmm. And it's not so much, we shouldn't think so much in terms of like technology, bad, old technology, good. We should think in terms of what is this being used for and is it fit to the purpose? Um, so that mm-hmm. was a helpful thought from the podcast. Another theme in the podcast was of putting responsibility for our actions on someone else, on some technology, on some corporation, mm-hmm. but really taking responsibility for ourselves. And, and, and I thought it was really some of the tools he mentioned in Chrome from um, hiding the Facebook newsfeed to hiding the comments and everything and other videos on YouTube. Mm-hmm. I've I've put on my computer and really enjoyed how instead of I can go onto Facebook with the intent to either go on Marketplace or go to one of the forums that I'm a part of, and instead of my news feed, I I just put a bunch of proverbs in there, and so just a proverb shows up in place of the news feed. I kind of get reminded of the proverb and then go on to the sidebar to Marketplace or one of the one of the mm. forums that I meant to go to Facebook for instead of getting distracted by the whole news feed. So the tools he put in there were really helpful. Yeah. And then the the final thing I wanted to bring up really ties in nicely with long-term versus short-term thinking. And that is the whole idea that focus is not the opposite of distraction and distraction is not the opposite of focus. The opposite of distraction is traction. And in order to be distracted from something, we have to be going towards something. And Mm -hmm. if we don't know what we're going towards, then we can't be distracted by definition because we have no traction. Yeah, I love that. Uh, That was particularly helpful when I was unemployed because Mm -hmm. I had quite a bit of free time. And it was like, you know, what do I actually want to get done while I have this time? Right. And, you know, and I, and I did find myself being distracted. I, um, one of the tools that I use to kind of empty out feelings or to process in a way that tell, I'm not really quick rabbit trail. I think Go for part it. of the real, part of the reason that we, uh, will do things in order to distract ourselves is because, you know, we said you're distracting yourself from an emotion, but what I found is that it's a it's an unsettled emotion. You can have a difficult experience. Let's say that uh, something happens to me, and I'm embarrassed. I don't want to share it with anybody. And every time I think about it, I think about that embarrassment, or I think about that something happens where it's like you don't want to share it with anybody. You don't want to think about it. 
that's something that's pretty liable to have you choose to do you know video games facebook twitter whatever anything just to i don't want to think about that one thing i'm going to flee that for sure now if something normal happens that's upsetting like i'm traveling and i had a layover and they they um you know didn't put me up in a hotel and it was totally the airline's fault or they filled my seat for no reason and i was stuck in la and you know, this happened and that happened and it was it was frustrating. And I can share that with everybody. There's no real embarrassment, even though it's a frustrating thing. It's not really a, a, it's not difficult in the same way. And so when I think about it, there's no kind of dissonance at all. Your identity has been attacked. Yeah, my identity hasn't been attacked. It's not, you know, yeah. So it's none of those things. And so... One of the way, one of a good way to let kind of steam out with things that don't embarrass you or don't attack you or don't chip away or don't change your identity. Let's say that you, you know, an opposite example of that would be somebody does something and you respond really badly in a way that you would never want to admit to someone that you responded. Right. And then you can't share that with people, and then you, you know, it creates that 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 difficulty. You don't want to share that with people. Exactly. You should, but. Right. And so when I was out of work, one of the things I was trying to distract myself from is that that's, that was somewhat of an identity thing. And what I should have done was spent a lot of time journaling and dealing with those things. That would have been a perfect use of journaling because you can talk and think through and even say things that are you're not sure if they're true or not, kind of test them out, mm-hmm. and nobody's going to judge you because there's nobody but you. And you can say, ah, that didn't feel right. That's not actually how I'm feeling. This is what I'm actually feeling. Anyway, so instead, I I distracted myself probably with being busy or, you know, that first week I was off, I I helped uh, help. David built some stuff, which was, you know, it wasn't bad and it was good and we talked about it, but it's like, there's not a whole, once you get let go, it's not, there just wasn't much to it. And so it was like, there wasn't a whole lot to talk about there. Right. You weren't necessarily building, I mean, you were building a friendship, but. Mm -hmm. I mean, yeah, he was off on spring break that week. He's a teacher. And so, yeah, it was just, I mean, it was really, it was good for him. Just two, two springs in a row that I could help him with some big projects. Yeah, which is which is kind of funny. Yeah, I think I got on the rabbit trail, and I don't remember a hundred percent where the main path was. Well, we were talking about traction versus distraction, and how uh, I think I did finish my thought then, in that I, you know, it, kind of towards the end, probably after listening to that podcast, or definitely after listening to that podcast, I, I kind of started setting myself a schedule for the week, and yeah, that was another cool thing. Have have you? I I haven't confession I haven't done this yet but I liked what he said about setting up your calendar before the week starts mm-hmm. and and potentially even going to your boss and saying hey this is what my calendar looks like is there anything else on here that you think I should be doing yeah. or I've got this spare time mm-hmm. are there things that you need that I should be filling it with and and how like a manager is going to love that because a lot of times they don't know what they're, they would like to know what their people are working on, but they feel uncomfortable asking about that. And so it gives them a really, it gives them both a good sense of what you're working on and 
a vested stake in what you're working on because they told you spend your time doing this. Mm-hmm. And then the concept that you can achieve success, you can feel that achievement of success more readily because you aren't trying to check tasks off the list. You're simply putting 100% into whatever task you've scheduled for the time that you scheduled it. I love the idea of that. That works really well for certain kinds of jobs and not others. Yeah, so with my job in retail now, um, I work for a retail company. I'm not I'm not in retail, I guess. Basically, at certain times of the day when things are really busy, like everybody's in retail for a little bit. Like I probably I probably talk to I don't know, 20 20 people a day or something on the phone and it's questions like what are your guys' hours? Uh, can I, you know, can I talk to this person? Can I talk to this person? Or uh, how much does it cost for my deck? And here are all the parts that I need. And it's like, all right, you know, work through the system. And or you know, if it's going to be too big a project, I just send them to the sales guys. But the sales guys deal with the people calling in orders as well as people walking in the store. And there's rumors that. Um, one of the larger lumber yards in Vancouver that's not like Home Depot or Lowe's is going to not sell to the public anymore because of how constrained their prices are or constrained their inventory is. Right. Um, and so that means even though we were very busy, we are about to be much, much more busy. Right. So every every day, at least twice, there's 10 people in line and we're a, we're a little a little store everybody's being helped but you know we just don't have we just don't have enough so to have a schedule is like you know those are there's a couple times that are particularly busy but i i wouldn't be able to say to my boss here's my schedule for the week i could say here are two three-hour chunks that i'm going to spend working on things related to stuff but i'm not you know, I, I I don't know that I would be able to schedule more than three or four hours like that. Which is more than I do right now. <laughs> <laughs> yeah, uh, yeah. I mean, it's more than I do as well. Quick sidebar. Are the, are the people who call in and say, these are all the parts for my deck, how much is, gonna, is it going to cost? Are they people who need to walk through the phone? Or are they people who would use, if there was a web application that did that for them, would they use that? Uh, they would probably use that, but I don't know. With a few exceptions, I don't know that most of the people would know all the things they need. And so they would, it wouldn't be particularly good service to them to have something where they could just buy exactly what they thought they needed, if that makes sense. Right. So we could probably have maybe 10 to 15 different customers who probably purchase most of our decking materials using a web application and they do multiple orders a week for anywhere between like three and you know they build three to five decks a week or something mm. they've got a but take someone like me i might forget that i need so many footings per so many feet mm-hmm. and unless you had talked to me and said okay how big is the deck area what are you planning on putting on it Mm-hmm. you would need to ask me those questions how are you fastening it do you you know here's how many you need for that uh how um and then the other thing is is like so trex decking right now 
there's several different colors and there's two different types, but colors and types that they're out of until the end of June. Right. You know, and it's like you place an order for a particular color and you're planning on using a particular type of clipping that you need grooved uh, decking for. And it's like, well, you can have five sticks of that or five pieces and the other 15 that you need uh, will be here, you know, July 1st. It's like, well, you would actually probably rather that you know that before you place your order and maybe choose a different color or get it all at once at July 1st. And then you have some time to build all the, the framing. I mean, if you have a database with that information and in that sounds exactly like what you'd want to be done over a computer. Yeah, absolutely. But I don't know inventory until I call our suppliers. So I call, I call four or five suppliers four or five times a day each. Okay. Every single day. And part of, I'm doing that to begin with, to kind of establish some rapport or, you know, knowing the, diff, knowing the couple different salespeople uh, who I would actually be working with, but soon I'll be emailing most of those orders in because it's much more efficient. Right. And I don't, almost all the stuff that I order comes next day. They're, they're close or that we just do enough business with them that they just deliver as often as we want. They have a truck that just comes to your place every, every day. Yeah. Mm-hmm. Yeah. Yeah. So we've kind of gotten, gotten off the track a little bit there. No, no, no. This is right where we want to be, Kyle. But yeah, getting back towards long-term versus short-term thinking and mm-hmm. um, traction versus distraction. You, you mentioned that you wanted to get there eventually. So is there anything else you'd like to talk about before? Now is the time. Now uh, is the no, time. This is, this is good. This is perfect. You know, as far as as far as goals go and long-term thinking, you know, you and I talk a lot about, and I think what makes us have good conversations and the kind of friendship that we have is that we aren't particularly just interested in, if your environment is what shapes you, then we're interested in shaping our environment to have that kind of reflect back into the life that we want as opposed to just letting life happen to us as best we can. Although, right, you know, I think you and I maybe both fall short of where we would like to be. For sure. And, you know, in certain ways. In other ways, we're probably very successful. But I guess I see, I don't know, do you ever have, you ever have teachers tell you that they saw a lot of potential in you? Yeah. Or adults and stuff. It's like, it was like, it was kind, but also backhanded is the wrong word, but it's like a, Almost like you could be so much more or. Huh. I guess maybe no one ever said it in quite those words because I can see how that could be construed that way. It was more, here's an opportunity I think would you would really like or really benefit from. Yeah. So That was more how it was related to me. Yeah. So when I was younger, I was smart, but lazy. Your words or teacher's words? My words. Okay. I don't know that anybody ever said I was smart and lazy, but. Whenever I applied myself to classes, I did pretty well. And often, without trying too hard, I would get, you know, Bs. And often, I didn't even try that hard, especially in younger grades. That didn't serve me particularly well as an adult. I think there's a lot of value to doing, not not having work be kind of below you, or you feel that it's 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 basically prideful is what it is. But I would have teachers tell me, like, oh, there's so much, you know, parent-teacher conference. It's like, Daniel's enjoyable to have in classes. He has a lot of potential. 
you know, but I know he's he's not doing as well as he could, basically. And I think as I look at myself now from that kind of parent-teacher conference, kind of like, well, how how am I doing? It's like, well, I'm doing well in these areas, but I could do a lot better in these areas. And it's always mm-hmm. kind of that, like, he's doing okay, but if he really applied himself, then, you know, it could be so much more. Maybe I'm hard on myself, I don't know, but I think if you... Uh, well, I've I've been having the the same thoughts, um, <laughs> yeah. which is part of where this discussion comes up because thinking through okay traction, what am I going towards? Long term thinking, how, like you were you were kind of mentioning the positive feedback loop of creating an environment where we're surrounded by people who are not just kind of living the life they've always lived, but really trying to push forward and be those four Marines up on the hill on Iwo Jima, putting, putting the American flag in the ground at the top of the hill mm. um, after fighting their way from, from the beach inland. Yeah. And yeah, wanting to surround ourselves with people like that and wanting to contribute to a culture like that. I think that's part of what led to some of my questions recently about, okay, am I, am I growing? at my in my current job how can i be growing more in my current job can i grow as fast as i want to in my in my current job and am i growing towards something i want to grow towards and those are questions i'm still wrestling through i think i've got some answers on on the side of here are things i can do to grow faster in in my current role and i'm trying to take ownership of those activities while continuing to process through um, some of the maybe longer term questions. Hmm. Yeah. What, uh, is there ways that you have kind of worked through those or do you, is it just kind of worked through what? Those the, the question you just mentioned, a handful of different questions. Right. You know? Yeah. So is there ways that you've worked through those? Do you think as you're walking home, do you, um, talk to your wife about it? Those, those two talk to other people about it. I've done a little bit of journal type stuff where I've like sketched out sort of this is what the future could look like. These are what I like about that. These are what I these are things I don't like about it. So so those are some of the things I've done mm-hmm. having conversations like this. Re- reading books or um talking to people about uh their their career, I guess, and their just their their engagement with this life that that we all have mm-hmm. is helpful for kind of seeing what do I what do I react, what do I like about that life, what do I what aspects of their life do I go I wouldn't want that in my own life, why or why not? Yeah. Okay, that's good. I think the probably two tools of those that you've kind of mentioned you know the journaling and even just starting out just writing like here's you know starting out kind of surface level and then continue to write through it and at a certain point you get into you run out of things to say and you get into right kind of a deeper part of your your brain one thing that's kind of interesting is that you know it's fairly easy to stay surface level with someone if you want to Mm -hmm. um and in certain situations, even if you don't want to, but when you're writing and you're by yourself, 
it, it's harder to maintain that. Well, it feels like a waste of time. <laughs> sure, it, it definitely, yeah. And, it, you know, maybe at some level it is a waste of time, but it's also like you you can't. Like eventually you just, I don't know, it's like gravity or something. You just start to write things that are more meaningful. And especially if you go back and read what you've written, because there's, you know, we reveal things about ourselves that we don't intend to all the time. Like, yeah, someone, someone today at work was super upset. And, you know, I asked him about it later and he told me a completely unrelated story and then just paused and I didn't really respond. I just, I didn't say, I didn't really say anything after he finished his story. You didn't call him out on it. Well, I, there was nothing to call him out on. He was just like, I have no idea why I told you that story. Oh. And it was like, it was, you know, he got started on it and then he just, he just kind of continued on. And I was asking, you know, I, I basically mentioned that I saw that he'd been, so it was, it was almost 5 PM when I, when I brought that up and right. his upsetness was kind of like right when I walked in the door in the morning. And so it'd been, you know, nine hours basically. Uh huh. But I think, uh, something that's kind of scary or it's just something I'm aware of, I guess, is that we've had, this would be episode 17 or 16. If we just, if I just decide to publish this one and not the, not the last one. Um, the last one was kind of scattered. It was pretty scattered. Anyway, you could call it episode 2.2. 2. <laughs> <laughs> well, just bury it back there. Yeah. Just bury it. I don't think I can do <laughs> just change the publish date to something previous. Anyway, just, um, you know, you interrupted me, Kyle, and now I Sorry. don't, no, it's okay, I'm not upset. So I'm just aware that, that as I'm talking, I'm revealing more about myself than, than I probably intend. I've actually thought about that on some of the podcast episodes, you go like, ooh, that's out in the public now. <laughs> yeah. Honesty's good, though. It is, it is. Yeah. Is there anything else you want to chat about tonight? Anything else related to the long-term goals? I think this would be kind of a cool conversation for, for the next time. Is entrepreneurship the best way to really see your potential? Thanks for the conversation. Yeah, I, thank uh, you for the conversation. Yeah. I enjoy having these. Yeah, always. Hey guys, it's Daniel once again. Just want to say thanks for listening to the episode. Hope you enjoyed it. Kyle, Rachel, Molly, Leland. Cora, Littlest Munchkin. Come back soon.